So when I was in first and second grade, or first and second, maybe even third grade, I loved playing Batman and Robin. Now, some of you may recall the old television show that starred Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. And, and as a kid, I kind of imagined that. And, and you remember Batman and Robin, that TV show that, that had all those wonderful graphics of like, BAP! And BOF! Crunch! And POW! And that was high tech in the 60s. Now, the only problem with the television show Batman and Robin is that my parents wouldn't let me watch it. I mean, here I was racing around on my bike and thinking I was either Batman or Robin or, or whatever chase we were doing. And I kept saying to my parents, I want to be able to watch it. I mean, it was in reruns by then, and it was on almost every day. And, and my parents would say, it's too violent. And I would make my best arguments and just say, this isn't fair. I mean, if you remember Batman and Robin, you don't even see the violence because those wonderful creative words came across the screen. And so I would plead my case and my parents would say no. So eventually what I did, and shh, don't tell my parents, I went down the street to watch Batman and Robin, to see the bap and the bop and the crash and the pow, to see all of that. And I would go back home and I would plead my case again. And my parents would say no. And I thought, so not fair. And we carry that idea of so not fair into our lives, into our adult lives. As I shared with you all a couple weeks ago, I'm not a big fan of running. I know it's something I need to do, so three times a week I, I get out and I, and I run the blocks and run the streets around our neighborhood. And, and as I was running the other day, I said, you know what? I think I actually used to like running on the treadmill better than on the street. Now when you're on the street, it's outdoors and it's great and you get to see God's creation. But when you run on a treadmill, especially when you run like me, the thing I liked about the treadmill is no one knew how far you had run and no one knew how fast or slow you were running. Because when you're running outside, and I, and I, as I shared, I, I'm not sure I really run. I kind of like plod along. But, but as I'm running, it inevitably happens that someone just races right past me. And I watch them go past me. And they seem like they're running with joy. And they're running with excitement. They're running fast. Because when I run, I feel very little joy. I feel very little excitement. I just know I need to run for the physical health. But I watch that person run past me and I think to myself, I want to scream actually, but I don't. So not fair. Here I am trying to, you know, take care of myself and take care of my physical body. And, and yet even when I run, I don't find much enthusiasm about it. I don't find much joy in it. So not fair. Okay, I got to go back to Batman. I know I might need some work on this, but maybe that's why I'm processing all of this right now. But if you remember in Batman, like whenever there was a, a fight of some sort, there was some, some sort of quote-unquote violent scene, these images would come up, these colorful images. Pow! But what happens when the pow is real? What happens when the crush is real? 
And we feel as though life has come after us hard. It's been a punch in the gut. Because in real life, we do get knocked down. And in real life, as we well know, life is not always fair. We work hard and no one seems to notice. We go the extra mile for our family, but they seem oblivious. We jump up and down saying, choose me, choose me, and no one notices. We get a difficult diagnosis. We watch friends and loved ones struggle. And we think to ourselves, this isn't fair. And as we all know, life has not been fair since the Garden of Eden. But we don't just rest in that, because if we continue to think that way, then it's very easy to have a sort of pity party. So what I want to talk about today is is where do we turn? What do we do when life's not fair? How can we be instructed in that? And this morning in our text, we, we look at the story, look at the end of the Gospel of Mark, when Mary and Mary and Salome make their way to the tomb of Jesus. And they have to be thinking to themselves before they arrive, this isn't right. An innocent man has died. Jesus, the Messiah, the one, we gave three years of our lives to follow him, and now he's gone. And now we have no one to follow. And now all those promises that he had made seem as though they're not going to come true. They had watched him be crucified. They had watched Joseph of Arimathea take the body of Jesus and put it in a tomb and roll the stone across it. What do we do when life's not fair? So let's turn our attention. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. As we enter into this story of the great and wonderful news that Christ has been raised from the dead. Here's what we read. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed, fearful. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So what do we do when our dreams seem to be broken, when our hopes seem to be crushed? I think in this story, we see four important lessons. We learn them from Mary and Mary and Salome. The first is this. You have to keep moving. The second is you have to be headed in the right direction. The third thing 
is you need to travel with friends. And the fourth thing is this, is that you will be surprised by hope. So let's unpack those a little bit this Easter morning. The first thing is this, that you have to keep moving. You can't get stuck. As, as, as a person reads through the book of Genesis, one of the themes that we see is that Genesis speaks against settling. In the, in the beginning of creation, we were, Adam and Eve were told, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Noah receives the same charge after the great flood, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then we just skip a couple of chapters and all of a sudden we're in Genesis chapter 11 and we read about the Tower of Babel and and listen to what happens. And as you recall, God is not happy with what happens at the Tower of Babel. And this is the reason. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. The scriptures had been very clear. Keep moving keep growing and Genesis 11 2 says they settled there they built a city they built a tower they used bricks and mortar it was a technological genius move that they had done and God comes down and scatters the people because they stopped moving the fascinating thing is is as you keep reading on in Genesis and and we we looked at this story just a couple weeks ago you keep reading in Genesis 11 you get to the story of Terah, the father of Abram. And Terah is told to go to the land of Canaan, the promised land, and he chooses to settle. He never gets there. And so Abraham then receives the call. Psalm 23. Even as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's not even as I sit in the valley of the shadow of death. Even as I get stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, there is constant movement. We have to keep moving. And as we move, we trust. This is what I love about the story of these women who are making their way to the tomb of Jesus. They're looking at each other like, who's going to move the stone? Because they know know those guys, those male disciples, they're stuck. The Gospel of John tells us that they were hiding. They didn't want anybody to know where they were. They were frozen. And yet the women in their faithfulness just assume it will work out. They know the guys won't be there to move it. I mean, there must have been a huge stone because they saw Joseph move it. But they proceed in faith. They keep moving out in faith, even though they don't know all the answers. And I think this is brilliant. It's the lesson that I need to continually be reminded of. Because so often in my life, and I will say, especially in this last year of pandemic, I have gone home and I have started whining and complaining and saying to my wife, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how the church is going to do this. I don't know how my staff is going to do this. I don't know how we're going to keep going. I don't know how we're going to keep persevering. And Shannon, in her great way, says, don't you think God has a plan? And I'm like, I don't know if God has a plan or not, but I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do that. And she just keeps saying, I think God's got it figured out. And so my challenge to myself has been, I've got to keep stepping out in faith. I have to keep moving. God does not want me to settle. And Mary and Mary and Salome are living proof of that. The second thing then is we have to travel in the right direction. Because when life does not go our way or when life is not fair, we have a tendency to look in all sorts of other places 
for help and assistance. And we don't always go to Jesus. Because that's what these women understood was important. They had to keep moving, but they had to travel in the right direction. They had to make their way toward Jesus. And we have to remember in our own lives, the only way to peace, the only way to true fulfillment, is to keep moving towards Jesus. We have to move in the right direction. Years ago, a friend and I were in Massachusetts uh, traveling around, and we decided we wanted to go uh, to the coast. And so uh, they were driving, and I was navigating. And if you know anything about my directionally challenged life, you know that that's always a bad sign. This is before the days of Waze or Maps or any, I mean, we had physical maps, that was it. There was no digital technology to help us get from place to place. And so I was navigating, and I said, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to make this turn, make that turn, get on this highway or this state route, whatever it was, drive about 20 miles west, and then we'll be there, or we'll be close to there. And so we got on the there, and we were doing the directions, and we got on the state route, and we started heading west. And, and after about 10, 10 minutes or so, my friend said, I don't see the signs for where we're going. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see the, the mileage markers getting us any closer. And actually, the, the place where we're going isn't even on the mileage marker anymore. And I said, well, how could that be wrong? Because I gave you perfect directions. I said, we do this, we do this, and then we turn, then we go left, we go west. So if you've been listening careful to the sermon right now, you, you figured out what I did wrong, right? You see, for a kid from the west coast, when we go to the beach, we get on the road and we go west. But you're, when you're on the East Coast, what do you do? Well, you get going in the right direction, and then you turn right. Like you go, you go the opposite direction. You go east or left or right, whichever way you need to go. But you go east. We were traveling in the wrong direction. Lesson learned. Make sure you travel in the right direction. Make sure we're traveling toward Jesus, not the things of the world, not the things that say they're going to satisfy but never do. We need to travel in the direction of Jesus. The third thing is this. We need to travel with friends. As many of you know, we've been looking at the letter of Hebrews, or the sermon of Hebrews, during this season of Lent. In this sermon, the preacher says, talks about the value of community. And here's what he writes. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This is forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus Christ does for us. And then the author writes this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, that faith that is promised to us through Jesus Christ, because God is faithful. 
and let us travel together. Let us continue to be together. And this text is not just saying you have to go to church. You have to be in worship on a Sunday morning. That's important and it helps. But I think the Hebrews 10 text is saying you have to do life together. You have to travel together. We go further when we are together. Because we help to bring hope and we help to bring encouragement to one another. And this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. And I want to say I don't think the church has always done this well. We haven't always traveled well. We sometimes get stuck and we major in minors and minor in the majors. We talk about everything that we're against instead of what we're for. And and we wonder, how are we ever going to come back out of this pandemic? And I know you're saying, Paul, it's Easter. I don't want to go there. No pity parties allowed for you, Paul. And I'm going to stop, I promise. Because I think actually the church travels better than anybody else. Or at least we should. Because we spur one another on. We help to encourage one another. We walk beside each other. We we should be traveling well. We should be the ones that the world looks at and says, how do they do it? Because we should travel with the least of these. We should travel with the ones that nobody else wants to travel with. Look at Jesus. Would you think about the disciples he chose? Those guys were not the best of the best. They were the best of the best. They would have already been with another rabbi by their age and stage. Fishermen, tax collectors. This is who Jesus chose. And he said, I want you to travel with me. And this is the value of traveling together. I'm like, if Jesus does this, then certainly we should do it. We need community. We need others. And we as the church should be able to travel well. We know what mercy and forgiveness and sacrifice are all about. We have this message that should be a winsome message. And you can imagine Mary and Mary and Salome each encouraging one another as they made their way, not certain of what it was that they were going to find. I love how N.T. Wright puts it in terms of what the church is to be about. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Easter is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from earth, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. To colonize earth with the life of heaven. N.T. Wright says this is what the resurrection is about. So we keep moving. We head in the right direction. We travel together, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another. And then in the end, guess what? We get surprised by hope. The women show up at the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. The angel says, he is not here. He's been raised from the dead and he's gone ahead of you. The grave could not hold him. He has been raised from the dead, and he is not here. And that's what we celebrate on Easter, that the tomb is empty. But don't miss the second part of what the angel says. He's gone ahead of you. And to me, this is key. 
it's not just that Christ has been raised from the dead, that Christ has brought eternal and abundant life for me and for you. It's that Christ goes ahead of me. So as I continue to make my way, Christ has already gone ahead. And I get to make my way to Jesus. Because just as he told the disciples he was going to meet them in Galilee, he goes ahead of you and me. He's already gone there. And so the bottom line is this. Sometimes life is simply not fair. Stuff that we have no control over. And life isn't fair. But we are called to continue to make our way. To keep moving. To keep moving toward Jesus. To travel in his direction. To travel with others. Because Jesus has gone ahead of us. And so on this Easter day, no matter where you find yourself, I want you to know very clearly that Jesus is waiting for you. And perhaps this day, you need to make your way to Jesus. In the midst of your confusion and your uncertainty and your brokenness, in the midst of your sorrow, and perhaps even in the midst of your gladness, Let's make our way to Jesus because he's gone ahead of us and he's waiting for us and he longs to give us life and he longs to give us hope. Would you pray with me, please? God, life is not always fair. That's very clear. And sometimes we get those crushing blows and we want to have a pity party and we want to stop and we get stuck and we get frozen And the lesson we hear today of Mary and Mary and Salome is you got to keep moving. And Lord, we need to keep moving to you. And we need to share in life together because in the end, Lord, what happens is hope surprises us. So thank you for that gift. Thank you for that incredible gift of Jesus Christ. Our hope, our salvation, our life. And Lord, if we this day need to make our way to you, Would you show us how to do that? Or maybe we need to talk to someone about how we can do that. Maybe we just need to pray, Lord, I need to draw close to you. I know you've gone ahead of me and you're in a place that I can't see yet, but I need to get close. So, Lord, on this Easter day, we thank you for traveling here for us. And we pray that we might travel to you as well. Celebrating the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.